1: A Scottish football podcast that isn't obsessed with just two teams? Niche nonsense? Or surprisingly brilliant? You decide. The Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. The cult Scottish football podcast now adapted into a hit TV show. Search the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast on your chosen podcast player now. Tell you what, that Tiger Woods is a dog's bollocks, isn't
2: he? (laughs) Mixed race, you see, part Afro-American, part white man, part Dutch, and part Vietnamese. And then four different races have combined to produce the perfect golfer, and still so young. The Afro-American, right? That's his natural grace for his driving, right? The Vietnamese for when he's in the rough. You got me? <laughs> all the jungles and that level network of tunnels. The Dutch in him makes him laid back for his temperament. And the white man means he can get on the course in the first place.
3: <laughs> For one night only, Simon Day and Friends, the brilliant character comic from The Fast Show, Brian Pern, and currently down the line on Radio 4. Saturday, June the 13th. Tickets only £5, and watch from the comfort of your living room. For tickets, go to biletto.co.uk and search Simon Day and Friends now. Hello and welcome to the Chels and welcome to a week that saw German football make me fall asleep again. I tried really hard, but there are signs that things are moving apace and lockdown will be, for all intents and purposes, possibly over in the next few weeks. To discuss this momentous occasion of potential light at the end of the tunnel, it's Mr Lightness and Brightness
0: himself. It's Mr Andy Saunders. Yeah, I don't bother with the German football this week. It's pointless. <laughs> it's pointless. <laughs> I don't care. It's German football. I mean, I didn't care anyway. I mean, I watched it out of a slight curiosity on the first week. Thought it was rubbish. There's no reason to revisit it. Move on.
3: <laughs> no, I, I just sat down. It was actually, it was, was just on because I hadn't moved my TV uh, station since the week before, I think, and it was on. And I, I sat down. Oh, it's uh, Borussia Dortmund. This... <laughs> Yeah. <sighs> I honestly, I fell, I fell straight asleep. It was, it, it was incredible. It, I'd it is go down, down the good. local
0: park, and you know, and and watch a, you know father kick his ball around with two of his kids no i was you know there's there's more jeopardy in that than there is in the bundesliga <laughs> yeah,
3: there is... well that's actually true as well um yeah i i have to say i woke up at half time and went and did something else instead so yeah. so you know maybe it's a very good sleeping tablet i don't know but it's that's what it does to me yeah. but um so how's your week been and um i guess you're 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 out fishing are you still running you're mr outdoors aren't you
0: yeah, did a bit of running, did a bit of fishing. I've been busy at work, um, so I haven't, I haven't just sort of had a complete holiday was nice over the bank holiday weekend i had um i went for a nice long walk yesterday uh cricket nets open so i had a net which was nice um yeah, i went for a run now I've, I've yeah been out and about it's nice it's nice to feel a little bit of personal freedom to be honest
3: yeah i, I agree with you it's um it it is changing
0: everything and especially with this weather um are you the now- weather helps doesn't it yeah i mean the thing is is i was supposed to be in spain this week i was supposed to be down on the costa del sol i usually go down there in may uh for half term which it is at the moment um and you know we had all that booked up but we had to cancel it obviously so part of me was thinking Ugh, you know it's a real shame looking forward to it paul you know, I went to Nair, which you know very well. Go down to Neha and, you know, sit in the in the cafes and the restaurants on Buriana Beach. I mean it's such a lovely thing to look forward to, and not doing it this year was a bit of a buy. But the weather makes it makes it bearable when it's like this, I have to say.
3: And do you do you notice the the difference in light? I've been looking, I don't know what it's like where you are, but for me it because there's less pollution even up here. It's almost like a, a Spanish light here. The blue is much bluer. I mean, maybe that's my imagination, but does the air feel cleaner to you and clearer?
0: I think that's your imagination.
3: I don't think it is. You know, I, I, I thought, well, I live
0: in a town slash city, so I don't think it's I don't think it's that much difference. I mean, yes, clearly there are less cars on the road, and clearly there is less. Uh, Petrol pollution and CO two pollution. I mean, clearly there is. Whether that in in this sort of short period has made a difference, I don't. I, I don't know. I, I haven't noticed it, honestly. Yeah, okay. I no. mean, it'd be interesting. I hadn't thought about it, so I'll I'll have a look. You know, next time. I mean, the skies are a little bit milky at the moment. There's a bit of cloud around, but I think that's going to burn off a bit later on.
3: Yeah, no. Oh, so the- I'll, I'll
0: have a look. But I mean, it is beautiful. I mean, I set out yesterday. I went for a lovely long walk yesterday for about ten ten k. Um, on my own with some sandwiches and just sort of sat down under an oak tree uh, and ate my sandwiches and in the middle of nowhere and watched the world go by and that was lovely and then I came home and had a barbecue and it just you know sitting outside and it was quiet because you know I think it was it was a bank holiday anyway but there was no traffic um, and it was just lovely really lovely and I wasn't missing Spain at all. Do you think actually this
3: whole period that we've been through just may make us appreciate the simpler things like when you just described sitting down with with your sandwiches, simple things in life suddenly mean a whole lot more. They take on more meaning, don't they?
0: Well, they certainly do at the moment, it has to be said. I mean, it's not. I've done that walk a lot, I mean, dozens and dozens of times, and I've kind of taken it for granted, really. And I've always treated it as exercise rather than as something to be savoured. And yesterday I really savoured it. And and it wasn't like there was nobody around. There were families on bikes and, you know, kids a little bit busier than it was before. But I found quite a nice isolated spot on the walk and and it was nice just to sort of sit there and have some solitude because the thing is I think because when the weather's nice everybody goes out and everybody is desperate to make the most of it and so wherever you go there are people whereas before you could you know where I live I'm only two or three miles away from open countryside in St Albans so you know you can normally find somewhere where you could walk for two or three miles and not see anybody and that's very very difficult at the moment because everybody's out kids are out families are out it's bank holiday So finding a little bit of solitude was lovely, was really nice. Even when I go fishing, it's busy, you know, so it's finding finding any... I mean, although we're isolated, we can't find any solitude because everybody, when the sun comes out, goes out. Does that make any sense?
3: Yeah, totally, because especially with this condensed period of time in, for a lot of people... They literally stayed close to their house and went for a walk nearer yeah. to their house. And now people are expanding. I see it where we are. Nobody comes here. But again, we've seen in this last week people, I've got no idea who they are, just suddenly walking through our village and going get for off a walk. Get off my lad.
0: Get off my <laughs> so you, do, do you get, do you get? Do you get a certain amount of small village kind of mentality going on there, Kerry? No, we're not what even... Are you, what are you doing in my village? <laughs> you well, outsiders, you up from Londoners.
3: it's i actually the i don't mind it i think it's great people use utilize the countryside that's what it's there for um and people should appreciate it what i don't appreciate is people letting their dogs have a poo in my front garden which has happened about three times in the last week yeah and i went out and actually had a go at somebody the other day
0: did they not pick it up
3: no no, and I caught That's this outrageous. guy. Yeah, I know. And I caught this guy as he was walking away and I just ran out and kept my social distancing um, which I really didn't want to do. I said, "Excuse me, you think I think you seem to have dropped something." Oh no, sorry. Your dog's dropped something. And he, oh, oh yes. Oh, uh, oh, oh yeah. And and then he got like just a normal shopping bag out of his pocket and put the poo in that. And I just thought that that's the kind of thing where actually i want lockdown to continue forever if
0: people are gonna do that i mean you've got a dog i've got two dogs i mean i think you've got to be a responsible dog owner haven't you i mean if you lose sight of your dog and your dog you know does a poo somewhere and you don't see it that's fair enough but if you're walking along and your dog you know does its business right in front of you and you don't pick it up i mean i think i think that's you know that makes you a bit of a dick
3: yeah totally and to be fair the guy stopped so his dog could
0: have a poo. So there, enough said. And I'm he, watching I'm actually watching out of my window at the moment a magpie destroying some flowers. Why are they doing that, Kerry? Uh, you know, I mean there's I mean there's a flower bed outside my window that my wife has carefully tended and this magpie is like destroying it. Pulling all the leaves off it, pulling the flowers off. That, is it that, a shiny thing thing?
3: I, I don't know. I think that's a really weird thing. I'm going to get. We've got magpies in the garden, and I've never seen one tear a, fl- a flower apart. That's 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 unusual activity. I would say. I'm take
0: a photo and send it to you while we're talking.
3: Okay. No, I, I, that's that's weird. Uh, See, even the animals are behaving strangely in these days. Um, Well, while you take a photo, I just want to shout shout out, uh, thanks to Elliot Williams, who corrected me on Twitter in my excitement when I was explaining about the hobby and its Latin name. I got the Latin name wrong. I said, sabutio, sabutio, when, of course, it is Falco, Sabutio, but also... Radamel Falco, Sabutio. Exactly. exactly. Um, except it's Falco. Before anyone says anything, F-A-L-C-O. So, Mark Falco. Mark um, Falco. Who did he Ooh.
0: play for? Was it, did he play for Norwich and United?
3: Mark Falco played for yeah. Tottenham and Chelsea. Oh, did he? Yeah. He played for Chelsea? Yeah.
0: God, I'd completely forgotten about that. Of course he did.
3: Of course he did. Yeah, exactly. Now it's obvious, isn't it? That's a weird one. But so, yeah, that just came out from the back of my muddy mind. Um, but I also mentioned, meant to mention about the hobby that the inventor, Peter Adolf, want when he was going around the toy companies wanted to call the game hobby but as in pastime but all right. the toy companies said it would never catch on so he called it after the hobby and it became sabuto called it after his latin name so there's the complete derivation so thank you elliot for pointing everything out i stand corrected and i'm not too proud to admit i made a mistake um, there you go. but yes and uh also, we're going to go to Naz very early on this week, Andy, because he talks about things we'll get on to in a second. Um, I was wondering, have you been watching any of the sports documentaries? There's been some real blockbusters appearing in the last couple I of weeks. What's the
0: last dance? The, the Michael Johnson one. I'm, don't tell me the, the end because I'm up to seven episode it's, seven. Well, I think I'm only on eight, but um, I think it, it's brilliant. It's utterly brilliant. Um, I mean, there was a lot of criticism of it. I mean, if those of you that haven't watched it, it's, it's on Netflix. It is essentially the Michael Jordan story uh, told through the eyes of essentially his final season, therefore The Last Dance, um, with lots of flashbacks to his glory years. Um, and it's, it's brilliantly put together. There was lots of criticisms about it, about it being a hagiography. Hey, In other words, he had complete veto over it. Um, his best mates made it. Um, but actually, I think it's, it's a really interesting look. And it's one of those documentaries that ultimately isn't, it, it's not about the sport. Ostensibly, it's about basketball, but it's not. It's about fame and it's about pressure and it's about elite sports mentality and money and obviously the the times in which he lived and the context in which he lived and i think it's just a fabulous documentary
3: yeah it is um there's been as you say there's been a lot of criticism that his production company were behind making it were one of the partners but they left off the credits Actually, and I've been talking to my nephew, Rich, in Australia about this, who's been sticking up for Michael Jordan while I've been winding the situation up. Going, Yeah, but it's, it's, he's partly responsible for telling his own tale. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter because actually, whatever there is in there, whatever drives him, and you see inklings of, of that sort of darkness that drives you in a way, that, that obsessiveness that make, wants to make everyone around you better than they actually are. That's what made the Chicago Bulls so great. And Did I, you think
0: he was a dick?
3: I, I don't really know, actually, in the end. I actually found him quite personable, sitting there with his little tumbler of whiskey. And his um, cigar. And his cigar. Um, yeah, I thought his dress sense was appalling throughout, apart from his <laughs> sports
0: gear. But... Very baggy suits. I think that was the, um, the, the style of the time, though, wasn't it? The, well, I don't think the 80s and the 90s were a particularly you know, fantastic era. Yeah. And also... Sports fashion.
3: Exactly and you have to remember also that these are very very tall men, although he he was almost um, he thought that there was rumor wasn't there at the beginning that he wouldn't make it because he was only six foot whatever it was five or six foot six I
0: know. <laughs> you know it, but it's interesting and the other characters in the team Scotty Pippin and, uh, and Dennis Rodman obviously you know really, really interesting so, yeah watch that one what else have you watched
3: uh, what else have I watched um, well, I take the Lance Armstrong uh documentary that's coming at, came out I've this seen, week.
0: I've seen four or five Lance Armstrong documentaries. There's been loads of them. Is it, are there,
3: is it? we're going to find out anything new in this one?
0: Well, apparently this
3: is the one I to always watch. Say that yeah, way, of course they. they do. But um it has had amazing reviews and you're right. Has it? Okay. There's been there's been a spate of them. Um so I'm I'm kind of intrigued. I mean, I'll watch it. Yeah. Okay um there's there's been a few other things um they showed i haven't seen it yet because i don't really like him as a person um the ronaldo documentary did you watch yeah, that
0: no i haven't i'm not i'm not overly interested in that one i think i need to get a little bit of distance from ronaldo before i'm interested <laughs> in his life i agree i mean the great thing about michael johnson is that we've got some distance jordan. from him jordan. Well, sorry jordan is that we've got some uh, some distance from him and his career so we can look back a little bit on it and i think current sports people i'm not that interested in I think 10 years down the line I'll be very interested in, in, in looking at the Ronaldo or the Messi story it's interesting I think looking at Maradona now through the lens of history Yeah, um, but I just think that we're just too close to Ronaldo at the moment we, as you say we've got too many personal feelings about him I think that he is clearly a, a, a legendary iconic footballer um, but, and I think that legend and that iconography will grow at, as we get more distance from him so that, that's when I want to watch that documentary
3: Yeah. And uh, the the other thing I would say about the Michael Jordan thing, which I wanted to mention to you earlier, which I think is amazing. Were you surprised at how much incredible up close and personal behind the scenes footage there was? And not just in that season where they had a film crew with them, but from all the previous years. It's just mind boggling that there's somebody who is documenting this stuff all along.
0: Well, at one point, you actually meet the guy, or you see the guy doing it. He's on a plane, isn't he, He's actually filming everything, and he's part He's part of the Bulls organisation doing it. Yeah. The great thing about it is I have no interest in basketball at all, none. I mean, I, I find it a boring game. You go up one end, you score, you go down the other end, you score. Oh, we're 98, 97, and that's it. I mean, obviously, there's those last-minute, you know, fantastic moments where they hit the basket from 100 feet away and... You know, they win in the last 1.8 seconds or whatever it is. I mean, that that's amazing. But generally as a game, I don't, I don't engage with it at all. But as I say, it's not really a documentary about basketball. In the same way that the recent F1 documentaries that were brilliant weren't really about motor racing. They were about the people involved in it. They were involved in the politics, in the money, in the organization and the logistics that's what I found fascinating about it because I'm not a big f1 fan either and, yeah. and that's the best sports documentaries when you're not really interested in the sport but you can get drawn in and enthralled by the characters and that f1 I was going to mention that as one of my picks
3: What's what really is, good what is extraordinary about that is I don't what's know what's it you, called need need for speed I can't, uh, I can't no uh fight to survive Oh, um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Something yeah. like that. Um, but what I think is extraordinary about that is when they started making that, uh, there was a real issue, from what, I, <clears throat> from what I can understand, that none of the big teams wanted... Drive to survive. Drive old. to si- survive, that's it. Um, none of the big teams and the big characters, like your Vettels and your Hamiltons, wanted to be involved. And they were kind of thought, ooh, this isn't going to work. But for all the reasons you've just mentioned... I think Netflix found themselves with a surprise hit on their hands because Did actually. Did you watch season two? Yeah, well, in the middle of that
0: as well. Well, because obviously Hamilton and Vettel are, are in that. Yeah. Know, so, and well, that why do actually. you think that is?
3: Because <laughs> yeah, well. the first series was so good. Well, that's good. right.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So I think, you know, sports documentaries are great. I mean, I love, there's, there's some awesome cricket documentaries, um, you know, that are brilliant. I mean, The Test, we've mentioned before. We've mentioned, you know, the recent. Um, the recent uh, one with the Australians, which is really good. Um, but, you know, there's, there's loads. You can go on YouTube and put cricket documentaries in. Uh, Fire and Babylon, which is about the classic 80s West Indies team. There's some brilliant cricket documentaries. And even if you don't like cricket, I think you'd be enthralled by them. So, yeah, sports documentaries are great.
3: Yeah, I agree. And actually, I got onto this also because there was something... Uh, do you remember the TV series Football Icon? Which was in two thousand and 2006. Is that when
0: they, when they try and find the star? And it was done at Chelsea.
3: Yeah, they did it for two years at Chelsea. Yeah,
0: yeah. And we had two two players came through, didn't they?
3: Yeah, Sam um, Harrell won it in two thousand right. and five, and Carl Magnay. Carl
0: Magnay, that's right. He got injured, didn't he? Yes, he did. And, and he ended and up going and playing in some minor northeast league. Yeah, yeah. He was from he, the northeast, wasn't he?
3: Yeah, but that that was actually quite a prescient thing as well when you think about where we've gone with reality tv yeah at the time it was quite an incredible thing because Mourinho would turn up every week and it was Brendan
0: Rodgers wasn't it It was the coach
3: yeah and and it was um Neil Bath as well wasn't it yeah um and Ray
0: Wilkins was was involved everybody kids uh,
3: I, you know, and I've been trying to track it down because I'd really like to watch it again because I think I think people like Jodie Morris are in it as well. It's bound I remember,
0: to be on YouTube, isn't it?
3: Yeah, I would have thought. Um, so it, it was quite a fascinating insight because we saw the way it worked. And I think it was a perfect time for Chelsea to get involved because I think we'd always been slagged off for not having an academy for years and then... Roman came in and then it was all we buy everybody and it was actually a piece of great advertising and PR to to already show the world that actually we are looking for young players
0: Look, all of those sports documentaries they are PR. So you know everybody will now be a Chicago Bulls fan because of the Last Dance. Everybody you know will will, will choose an F one team because of the F one series. The Bundesliga has done amazingly well out of this because there will be people that will go will pick Borussia Dortmund or RB Leipzig as their team. Uh, you know the, all the the all or nothing stuff. You know with the American football teams. You know it, it, will you choose that team? They're, they're amazing marketing and PR opportunities. These things.
3: But they also are not just presenting some fictitious, nice, glossy um, shot of things. They are very honest and very real. And that seems to be the payback. It's like, hey, look, you'll get this PR and advertising, but you need to be open. And well they,
0: they only work if they're authentic. Yeah. And that's what people buy into. They buy into the authenticity, they buy into the jeopardy, they buy into the drama, which is why the Tottenham Hotspur one that's coming out, the all or nothing one that should be coming out this year, will be amazing. <laughs> can you imagine that one? It's oh, gonna be amazing.
3: Can you can you imagine being the, the producer of that going? What's happening now? Oh my God! This is absolutely where our story goes into stellar overdrive. I know. You you, you are. I guess when you when you're doing those things, you're almost willing things to go wrong because it's in adversity you really find out about people. You know, I've, I've always maintained that. You know, it's all very well people saying, "Oh, well, this company was great." And you go, well, what were they like when things went wrong? Oh, well, they weren't so great. You know, this is how you find out the truth. There's
0: a certain amount of hubris involved in this as well, because I think Tottenham thought, you know, they they were very much a club on the rise, weren't they? Very much challenging for the league. Obviously, that fantastic season when Eden Hazard scored the goal that prevented them winning the league, where Leicester won it, um, was their shot, really. And then they just fell off a cliff at the worst possible time to make a TV documentary. The whole Mourinho thing, it's just going to be a car crash. I'm going to love it.
3: Yeah, but the one thing I would say, you know, like you were saying, when you watch All or Nothing, you become a supporter of that team or you watch, you know, this, that or the other. I'm never going to become a Tottenham fan just because it's a great doco. (laughs) I
0: don't think many people will because there's no no redemption there. (laughs) It's just awful. I mean the great thing about the, the good sports is, is redemption, isn't it? Oh, they started off really badly, they sacked their coach, and oh look, they, you know, just through just sheer will and teamwork, they managed to get to this position and we're all rooting for them. Nobody's going to be rooting for Tottenham at all. Ever. <laughs> uh,
3: that's there, there we go. I think we've got the title for this week's show. No redemption. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're absolutely right. All right, look, Andy, on, on that, because I'm just Absolutely beaten into a hysterical laughter on that. We're going to move over to Mr. Naz Kinsella with his roundup of his week.
2: Hi, guys, this is Nizar Kinsella, Gold's Chelsea correspondent, reporting for the Chelsea. Uh, yeah, just sort of this week, an update. Uh, we've got, um, you know, as a reporter, we're still sort of. In a semi-lockdown, you know, some of the restrictions have been lifted and and that's the same for football, really, in the fact that they're in Phase 1 training. Um, Chelsea are one of the clubs, all of the clubs are back in Phase 1 training, they're testing for coronavirus uh, twice a week um, we've seen some players uh, tested positive for coronavirus not too many uh, which has been a positive uh, I think it's been 8 players now who've, who've like had it or 8 players in- and staff um, some of those have come out some haven't um, and yeah, uh, you know, there's no news of Chelsea uh, getting any coronavirus uh, tests positive. So uh, yeah, Chelsea are in the clear. Try to play football. Um, you know, at the moment they're just training, but by Thursday they could be in full contact training once again and and sort of on the road to restarting the Premier League, just as the German Bundesliga are. Uh, they've played two rounds of fixtures now, um, playing the third. Uh, and yeah, it shows that it can be done. I guess um, there's a lot of reservations and. And with Chelsea, there's more than most. N'Golo Kante um, hasn't been in training. Um, you know, his family have got a history of uh, heart problems. Um, his brother uh, died of a, a heart attack. And uh, you know, he lost his dad when he was very young as well. Um, so that those are the reasons why he, he might not be um, you know, comfortable with, with training right now. And, and also, uh, coronavirus disproportionately affects... Black and ethnic minority uh, people, so um, you know, those players uh, might have a harder time returning. Um, it's already been the case that Troy Dini of Watford has come out and publicly said that he's uncomfortable with returning to football, um, so yeah, it might be that clubs have to um go back without a key player and Chelsea might be one of those um it's kind of you know the the idea of sporting integrity of the competition has long gone out um you know for various reasons and this is this is one of the main ones really um yeah so but we're getting there we're almost back I think that they'll be back around the 19th of June um that's my sort of personal opinion and guess based on what's happened yeah and and for me personally you know I've, I've um you know, had a good week. I've interviewed uh, Roberto Carlos, which is brilliant. Uh, as I, uh, you know, might have said last week, um, and there's been a, you know, a few others as well. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been good. I might have had to at times branch out to a few different interviews beyond Chelsea, uh, just because the longer lockdown goes on, the 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 fewer things that are going on, and and everyone's just kind of waiting to see, you know, in the in the football community when the sort of restart date will be. So it might be that, you know, when when Thursday. When they're back in training on Thursday, when the announcements happened on Wednesday about returning to football, that, you know, things start to kick, kick start again. The machines are going again in football. And it's very much been a case of, you know, if you, if you hear a footballer speak, it's always we're ticking over, we're ticking over. And, and certainly um, it'd be good to get some dates in a diary where we can actually look forward to something. Anyway, that's me um, giving you an update. Hope you're all well and stay safe. And we're back.
3: All right, well, there, there's a few things that he talks about there now as a journalist. Who's Naz
0: Kinsella? You have to tell the listeners who Naz Kinsella is. You can't Wait, just say he's He does
3: Naz say Kinsella. it right at the very beginning. I know he but you
0: need to introduce him. because okay.
3: You know. And that was Mr. Give him <laughs> his proper title. <laughs> that was Mr. Nizar Kinsella, Gold.coms. Chelsea correspondent reporting for the Chels.
0: And we're very grateful for Naz, because he doesn't have to do this, and he does it for us every week, and he's just been a brilliant addition to the show. So thank you, Naz. We really appreciate it. Yeah,
3: absolutely. We love Naz. We should get We Love Naz shirts made up, We should get
0: We Love Naz tattoos, matching tattoos. Okay. (laughs) Where are you going to put yours? I'm going to have mine on my forehead.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, Where are you going to have yours? uh, I'm going to have mine on my palm.
0: On the palm of your that's going to be painful. Having yeah. a tattoo on the palm of your hand is painful.
3: Yeah, because, of course, the forehead will be absolutely no problem
0: whatsoever. I think it probably will be less painful than the palm of your hand.
3: Well, there's only one way for us to find out.
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> but, but yes, yeah, getting all very serious again now, which is actually starting to be quite a hard thing to do. Um, uh, there he talks about, you know, this is the week where decisions are being made um it does look like this is the week, uh, you know, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, we will know more as to when the season's going to start. Are you looking forward to that day? Are you, is there part of you that thinks they may even cancel it? Do you think this is going forward?
0: Well, there's a couple of questions in there, isn't it? Am yeah. I looking forward to it? I guess. I guess. Uh, I think I'll have more engagement with the behind-closed-doors fixture of Chelsea are involved. Um, and it, it's hard not to watch a Chelsea team and not be engaged because it's a Chelsea team. Um, so yes, I, I guess and and I whether I'll enjoy it as much as a regular, normal inverted commas uh, game with a crowd and all that entails. I, I, I don't know. I think it'll be an interesting experiment. Let's see. Let's see. But yeah, I get. I want to see. I want to see football back on again. I want to see Premier League football with my team back on again. So yes, I get. I guess I am looking forward to it. But I'm slightly trepidatious. Yeah. Um, it, it, the second question about what's going to happen? Who knows? I mean, the more players test positive for COVID nineteen, the less likely it seems. And when you've got players like Troy Deeney from Watford saying I don't want to do this I have a young child and I don't want to put my young child in danger by associating with people that may or may not have have a you know have a disease that would affect them Um, the more that happens the more players that show concern the less likely I think it is to get the consensus needed to get these games on.
3: Yeah and there's also you know and Chelsea are not unaffected by this particular situation because Kante's been given dispensation to stay away on compassionate leave as he fears it's unsafe for him you know as Naz mentions there you know his father died when he was young his brother died from a heart attack there's a history of heart disease in the family and Kante himself collapsed a couple of years ago so he also mentions the key word which we've been going on which has been a buzzword for us if you've got these players not in your team from the start not because of injury but because of other issues does that or does that not affect the integrity of the game
0: well the integrity of the game is is, has been my issue all along um you know there's two sides to the argument one is that you can't have any integrity in a league if you don't finish it that's one argument The other argument, which is my argument, is this isn't the same league. We say this every week. It's not the same league. It's not the same competition. It's not the same circumstances. Um, And so I don't think the league has integrity. And and thereby lies the, the, the dichotomy between whether you come down on one side, which is you have to finish the league, otherwise it has no integrity, or you say this league has no integrity because it's not the same league. That's my view. But, you know, other people are entitled to their view as well. Other opinions are available. So I don't know. I I, I don't know. It's very difficult, isn't it? Frank Lampard has said that he's not going to make any player come back. Not going to make any player come back, I should say. Um, And other managers have said the same thing. Other managers uh, have, have also... Express concerns, other players have expressed concerns. It, It doesn't feel good. It still feels like it's a contractual obligation rather than a desire to play football. Yeah, that, well, that, that's what I think, and, and that's what's leaving a bad taste in my mouth and the, and, the, and the mouth of a lot of other people. I think.
3: Yeah, it feels like instead of losing a billion dollars, they're going to lose three hundred billion pounds. They're going to lose three hundred and fifty million pounds by playing, and it does feel like a fa- financial
0: way up to me. Um, and also, I mean, this does have a huge seismic effect on football. Not, not so much on the Premier League, who will probably survive, but the trickle down effect to the football pyramid the the leagues below them all the way down to non-league football and and beyond is going to be catastrophic I I mean there is going to be so many teams that literally won't survive this period it's one thing being a Premier League team with a global fan base that can either borrow against it or have the reserves to cope with it um, and can probably sit down and, and figure out ways to get through it it's another thing if you're a League two team who's already operating on a knife edge trying to get through all of your existing fixed costs at a time when you've got no income. Yeah, and I, I also
3: th- think that perhaps they need to look at the bigger clubs, perhaps need to support some of the smaller clubs now that there, there will be uproar from an amount of people at that stage. That's statement.
0: communism.
3: Yeah, exactly. Um, but without a certain amount of support, We're going to lose. We, we would be heading. I guess I was talking about this last week with a friend of mine that you could end. This could be perfect for European football in the fact that what's left are just the big clubs. So So the
0: European Super League, exactly. Head again. Yeah,
3: Yeah, you know, and that that. Yeah, I think that's a
0: definite possibility. Uh, Look, who knows. Government probably aren't gonna step in. They'll say these are private enterprises, why why should the government support private enterprises? You know, what have these clubs ever done for us really? Will 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 be the thing. There's not gonna be a huge amount of sympathy for football clubs, particularly at the higher level, because they've been seen as venal, greedy, um, money driven operations for years now. You know, players have been perceived to have been overpaid. The owners of the clubs are, you know, the oligarchs and the, you know, the, the, the oil billionaires uh, are, not, are not sympathetic characters. So there's not going to be a huge amount of sympathy outside the supporters of those particular clubs. So It's going to be difficult. And also,
3: I would suggest that the smaller, the lower down the leagues you go the more football clubs are still part of a community. And that's where I think there's a difference. I, I can understand people get, oh, football clubs, they get loads of money. But if you go down to the lower levels and you find that local people meet up every week, much like a a, a social centre or, or, or community centre, then it is important to, they, they do more than just earn money and play sport, don't they?
0: Well, you think so, and you'd think that the community would 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 rally around and uh, uh, and support those those local clubs. Um, but it didn't help. Didn't help. Uh, uh, you know, some of the clubs in in recent times did it. Was it Berry who who um, went out of team, went out went yep. out of uh, business? Yep. Uh, where you know where was the community support for that? And that was at a time when when. When we were living in a certain level of normality, yeah, and there was money about, yeah. So,
3: so yeah, I there is. There, look, we're not. If Football they clubs are, are
0: expensive, Kerry. They're yeah, very they expensive. You know, particularly if you're a club, an ambitious club that wants to climb up the league or, or achieve big things. Uh, you know, it's expensive to, to bring in players that are going to allow you to do that. Still, at, at that level, it's usually the local. We made good, the local businessman who comes in and funds it out of their own pocket. They're not doing particularly well at the moment. And again, that's going to have, you know using that expression again, a trickle-down effect on the finances of those clubs. Those the individuals at that level probably won't be able to sustain the financing that they've, they've done for the past few years. It's going to be really difficult and hard for everybody.
3: Yeah, and I, I actually think football will be sort of like... Um, a magnifying glass upon society because it won't just be football clubs we'll see it in the high streets we'll see it everywhere it's it's incredible when you stop a world for a few months how we are discovering what will be affected and we won't really know until we're probably a month or two into recovery mode I would suggest because
0: I don't think so either and I think as well that even if you look at even if you look at uh, amateur clubs amateur football clubs you know I've managed kids football I managed kids football when my Kids were growing up. Um, and, and you know, my local club is a, is a pretty big local amateur football club, St Albans City, and then we had this other club called Harvesters, which I was involved with. And it was, you know, dozens of teams across dozens of age groups. Um, and they have, you know, lots of fixed costs, lots of, you know, pitch maintenance and rent and ground rent and equipment and all that kind of stuff. And you look at them and you think, how are you going to survive? You know, my cricket club, for example, if we don't have any income, we, we, we're a big cricket club. You know, we put out four teams on a Saturday. We've got 250 Colts, kids, players. We've got, you know, lots of adult members. We're right in the middle of a city. We've got, you know, a, a, you know a, quite a big reach. Um, if we don't get any income from subscriptions or match fees this summer because we can't play cricket, we won't have any money in December. None. It will all be gone. And then we don't make any money in the winter. So what happens? We go out of business. That's a club that's been around for for almost 150 years. That's yeah, going to happen all across the country.
3: Well, it's not even sport. You know, everything costs money. You know, where the village where we are, we've got a, a field that was bought by three villages near here, and just for it to stand empty with nothing on it and nobody doing anything, that costs seven eight hundred quid a year just for insurance, mm. um, and there will be stories like this across the land but uh, you know we we just have to wait and see and see how things go um, just
0: as well you and i are just loaded isn't
3: it <laughs> well if you, can i borrow some of your load <laughs> <laughs> i mean the, the other news this week um f- regarding football and fixtures is the women's leagues now been cancelled um were you surprised at that is that not Uh, if the uh, the men's league is carrying on why isn't the women's well you know why you know the answer money of course it's money yeah
0: i mean there's no billion pound advance involved in women's football i mean there's a certain amount of, of tv coverage and money coming into the women's game but nothing at the level of the men's game yet um and so so that's why that's why that's happened it makes complete sense both health-wise and logistics-wise, to cancel the Women's League, and they have done. But it makes complete sense health-wise and logistics-wise to cancel the Men's League, but they won't because there's so much money involved.
3: Yeah. I agree. Um, the the other news that came in as well this week is that Chelsea have made two signings in Giroud and Willy signing, Willy Caballero signing new one-year contracts. That That's quite good business, isn't it, considering we have no idea how transfers may happen or not happen over the next few months?
0: Yeah, I guess. I guess. I mean, they're, they're... I mean, certainly Caballero has always been a squad player, but that's fine. That's absolutely fine if he wants to be second, third goalkeeper. That's okay. Um, uh, Willie, I th- I'm surprised at because I thought he was making noises about you know wanting a longer contract and, and, and going elsewhere. But you know, I, I, I'm a big Willian fan. I think he still has a lot to offer, so that that can only be a good thing.
3: No, he hasn't signed. It's Giroud who signed the Oh, I'm sorry. You said yeah. Willy,
0: didn't you? Sorry, I'm, I'm getting And Willy
3: confused. Caballero, uh, yeah, yeah. Sorry,
0: no. Uh, 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 Giroud, yeah, well, I think Giroud proved himself last year that he's an effective squad player and has earned that, definitely earned that. And if he's happy to, 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 to do that, then I'm I'm certainly happy to have him.
3: Yeah, w- no, William
0: w- I think, is definitely off, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, he said he wants three years. You can't give a three-year contract to her.
3: And to uh, be an fair, and and this isn't speculation, because, because the club have let it be known they've offered him a two-year contract, and William said he's been offered a two-year contract. Considering his age, considering the club, considering our past with players in this situation... It's generous. I think so. I, I, I'm I'm really quite sad that he hasn't taken it up.
0: Well, you know, I think who who knows what, what, what the actual conversations yeah. are. But can you blame a player like William who's coming towards the end of his elite career um, for wanting to maximise the opportunities that are left to him? I can't, frankly. I don't, I don't see it as any level of betrayal. And You know, if he if he finds a better offer elsewhere at this stage of his career, then he goes with my blessing, frankly. It's a oh, shame because I am a fan and I think he's, he's still got more to offer.
3: OK, so if it was you... Two-year contract at Chelsea or a three-year contract at Tottenham or Arsenal, what would you do?
0: <laughs> uh, as a professional footballer, you know, where it was my job, I'd go for the money. Yeah, no, I Of get course it. I would, and so yeah. would you. Yeah, yeah, well, I, I'd, I'd have a... a little because, <laughs> because footballers aren't fans. Let's not conflate yeah. professional footballers with football fans. People do this all the time, and, and, and they're not. And we can't look at them as fans. They are professional footballers who lend their service to a, to a club for a fixed amount of time as per a contract, and then they go. Yeah. And they may create and have some engagement with the fans during that period, and some players create a real bond. The minority of players create a real bond with the, with the fans. But the vast majority of players are here for a certain period, and then they go. And to think of them, had to, it's a bit almost like, well, you, you can't think of them as fans. They're not, and it's silly to do so.
3: No, apart from the ones who admit they were always a fan as a, a kid, but they usually only admit that once they've retired. So you never know, do you? You're,
2: you're absolutely right. You can right. count
0: the number of players who you would turn round and say they. If you cut them in half, they would be Chelsea. There's not. There's not that many of them, really. Not really, and that, and that's why they're so special, and that's why they're so important to us. Because you know, for every John Terry and Frank Lampard and Ron Harris um you know there, there's a there 's a million mercenaries that have come through the Chelsea football system
3: yeah it 's true that is football it's it's a sport it's a it's a a, a game where people earn money, and that 's what they do and all all this
0: kind of like you know betrayal and traitor <laughs> and all this kind of stuff it just makes me laugh yeah it's like grow up yeah you know look at the commercial you know these are these are people from the back streets of Brazil. Or the, you know, the, the, you know the, the small villages in Africa, why would they care about Chelsea?
3: Yeah. Or, some know, or would ones, they? they we, you know. we
0: we're hiring them because of their football talent and their skill and their ability to fit inside the team. We should love them and enjoy them when they're here and then wish them the best of luck when they leave. Spot on. Well, with that really hearty message, we're going
3: to go to our break.
2: Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike. E-bikes that are cool AF.
1: I'm Jeff, and on my 40th birthday, I decided to give up drinking for a year.
2: And I'm Matt, Jeff's drinking friend. And I'm not happy about it. Can I do a year sober? More to the point, will you be really dull? Will I still get invited out? And do you have to drink to be my friend? What am I going to drink instead?
1: Welcome to Wet and Dry, a new podcast about sobriety, midlife crisis, male drinking culture, pubs and friendship.
3: And we're back now, Andy. Right, well, it's, it's uh, question time. Um, I think we'll start off with this from Christian Scheffel. Uh, it's about Dennis Wise. Was he a legend at Chelsea? And what did you make of him as a player for
0: the club uh, and what he did for us? Well, is he a legend? Yeah, of course he's a legend. He's the second most successful captain behind JT. Won six trophies with us, well, five major trophies in the Charity Shield two FA Cups, a League Cup, and a Cup Winners' Cup, Europa Super Cup. He's, um, yeah, twice Player of the Year. Uh, He made, you know, the requisite amount of of appearances. He made 445 appearances, scored 76 goals. Uh, He was instrumental, I think, in that transition into us becoming an elite team. When Glenn Hoddle arrived, he was very much a fixture in the the Glenn Hoddle revolution. Um, he spent 11 years at the club. Why wouldn't you think he's a legend?
3: Yeah, I mean, he, he has got a terrible reputation with pretty much every other club. If you talk about hated players um, for for clubs, I guess you'd be talking about people like Paul Scholes or Roy Dennis Keane. Wise or Roy Keane. Um, well, they're
0: all players that if they played for you... You'd love them, you know. That that's the point about these players is they're completely marmite. I mean, Alex Ferguson once said of Dennis Wise he could start fighting an empty room. Um, but you know, the same could be said for Paul Skulls and yeah. the same could be said for Roy Keane, and a lot of those other Man United players, frankly. Um, and if you look, and, and if you look at those players, the reason they're loved and adored by their teammates is their commitment and their passion and their wholehearted energy that they brought to their particular team. And, and actually, and they're winners. Yeah, exactly, and I,
3: I, I mentioned Paul Scholes because I think probably the most underhand and devious thing he the, ever the did on a pitch—the the pinch on the inside of the thigh. Yeah, that was and that
0: was uh, that was naughty.
3: It really was, and it worked because he got a red card, didn't he?
0: He did. It was, it was very. He's naughty. a fascinating player, Dennis Wise. I mean, he started off. You know, it's part of the crazy gang, didn't he? And, yeah. You know, that, that, that amazing team that won the FA Cup beating Liverpool in, in 1988. And when he came to us in 1990, it was for a club record fee of £1.6 million. <laughs> and interesting, when he left, we sold him to Leicester for £1.6 million. So he was, he was carbon neutral. You know, <laughs> we, we got for him what we paid for him. Um, but you know he was a he, you know he didn't he didn't come without his controversies. I mean we all remember the taxi driver incident where he ended up getting a four four month prison sentence, but that actually got overturned in the end. And I think I think was it in 1988, 1989, He missed fifteen games through disciplinary various <laughs> disciplinary things. Three red cards in that season.
3: Oh no, he, he was. Uh... He was one of those that ended up with a reputation that that went before him, and actually you he was one of those players you just thought you, you could actually bet what minute that he would get a red, uh, a yellow card in because he would be somewhere in the referee's mind from the start um, there was guess, a moment
0: as well or there was a, there was there was a period when it was him and Vinnie Jones in midfield you remember. <laughs>
3: Yeah, well, I was going to get on to Chelsea hardmen. Um, I mean, we, we have had a history of a, a certain love of hardmen. I'm thinking. I of, still
0: love them. I yeah. still think every team needs a, needs a mongrel in midfield.
3: Yeah, you do. I mean, you know, we had Chopper Harris, we had uh, Vinnie Jones, Joey Jones, Graham Roberts, Doug yeah. Rugby. Yeah, um, Doug the I, Thug. Doug the Thug. Um, you know he was he was a continuation of that line we haven't really had uh, an assassin like that in midfield for some years Uh, well I think the
0: game's changed isn't it it's it's the thing is Ron Harris the style of play that Ron Harris Chopper Harris bought to Chelsea would you couldn't play that style of football in the modern Premier League you wouldn't be on the pitch Uh, you know it's a very very different game in terms of what referees will allow in terms of physical football so the reason those players have have faded out of the game is because they just wouldn't they wouldn't survive on the pitch without being red carded
3: yeah and do you have a favorite memory of Dennis is there anything that sticks out I think
0: my favorite memory I mean there's a couple of iconic moments obviously the San Siro goal which you know people still sing that song uh, to this very day you know Dennis Wise he scored a Great goal in the San Siro, <laughs> um, but I think my I think my favourite moment is his 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 pass to Gianfranco Zola in the cup Winners cup final against Stuttgart, um, which was when Zola came on as a substitute and won us the game with a with a fabulous goal. But it was Dennis Wise who chipped that ball through to him. So for me, that that was my favourite moment. How about you?
3: Yeah, I I, I go along I, I I go along with that. Uh, Any time I saw Dennis lift the trophy, I just marvelled at it because. Everything about him, he, he defied, he, I remember him getting an England cap and everyone was going, Dennis Wise, an England player. But actually, we saw him evolve as a player at Chelsea, um, away from all the controversy. I think he became, He was he was that last line of English player at the club that actually became elevated as a player by the players around him, people like Zola. Uh, and I think he took that on board and I think he made himself a better player. And I think those players made him
0: a better player too. So every Well, time- I think that's, that's very true. And, and at the core of Dennis Wise was he was a winner, you know, and that that team, I loved that team when it was him and Poyet and Di Matteo in midfield because they were all winners. I mean, they didn't... They didn't go on to, to achieve the heights that Mourinho's two thousand and four onwards, two thousand and five onwards team did. But there was something beautiful about that team and, and and that winning mentality that we hadn't seen for so long when we went on and lifted the FA Cup in nineteen ninety seven, Dennis Wise as the captain. You know, I think that was the very much a, you know, a period where we started to believe in the team and the team started to believe in themselves. And Dennis Wise was central to that.
3: I I would agree. And also, my last thought on Dennis is you knew that all the foreign players were taught swear words by Dennis. There is no (laughs) doubt he'll have taught him. What you need to say is this, and he'll have taught him everything very early on. And was it him who
0: smashed up the Blue Peter Garden?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's true, isn't it? Him and Les
0: Ferdinand. That was always the rumour, wasn't it?
3: (laughs) You just wouldn't ever say no, would you?
0: One of the great urban legends.
3: (laughs) I know. Well, let's let's try and find out one day. Um, All right, moving on. Okay, the next question. We might not get time for all the questions this week, um, but we're going to go with... This is kind of a weird one, and I thought maybe you'll go for the first, and I'll go for the second, or we can do it between us. I don't mind. Uh, Andrew Self asks, what were the shortest and the tallest Chelsea eleven? Do you want to go with the – I'll go short, because I am.
0: Because you are. Okay. So the tallest um, – I mean, I I didn't do this technically, going through and measuring everybody out. These are just tall players that – that you know that I think would be in my in my team. Is that how you've done it as well?
3: Yeah, pretty much. I've, I, I haven't yeah.
0: researched it to the level no. where. And, you know, and where it's I've...
3: not really formation; it's eleven players. But
0: well, I've done it as a formation, obviously, because okay. I've followed the rules. You probably haven't, because you've made your own up. But um, but, my, <laughs> but my tallest, <laughs> uh, Thibaut Courtois, at six foot six in goal. Yeah. It, kind of, it was a close one between him and Czech, but I, I went for Courtois in the Fatty United. Folks as well. Well, no, he wasn't as tall as you thought he was. He was, was fat, he but he wasn't tall. I think oh, he was six okay. four. He wasn't. Oh, he's a shorty. Well, comparatively, yeah, you know, yeah. compared okay. with Courtois and Che, he was just very fat. <laughs> um, and also, he was very he was very tall at a time when players were very short. If you see if that makes any sense, yeah, it does. Um, because the modern game is full of much taller players than the, than, than, than than previously. So, uh, at right back, I've gone for Brana, <laughs> Brana Rivanovic. Although only six foot one, right backs are not known for their for their tallness but he was a you know he was a tank, wasn't he, Branner? Yeah. Uh, I've gone for um, Terry Ann Cahill in the middle. Gary Cahill six foot four. Um, and I've gone for Alonso at left back as a tall left back. Uh, in midfield, uh Matic, six foot four, Rob Rubenloft's cheek, six foot three, Michael Balak, six foot two, and Mikel six foot two. And up front I've gone for Flo at six foot four and Drogba at six foot two.
3: Yeah, yeah. I think it's. I
0: think it's pretty good. Who did you go for?
3: Um, well, again, players that are not in there. I, I had. Um, well, Courtois had to be the number one. I'd agree with that. Um, I also had Steve Sherwood as well as a another tall player. Um, but yeah, Steve Wicks, uh, Mickey Droy in the centre of.
0: Well, I looked different- at Mickey Droy and, and and he was he was definitely he was in he was in my my um, my, my centre back position for for a long time and then I just thought. You know, you can't have him over John Terry, and and Cahill's so much taller. <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah. I, 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 I thought Mickey Droy was six five. No, he was six foot two. Oh, was he? Yeah. Oh, maybe it's just me as a kid. He looked gigantic. No, I mean it's funny, isn't it? These players yeah.
0: that look huge, but they weren't. I like Rhys James, for example, isn't huge. No. no not he's tall not. anyway. I mean, he's built, but he's not tall.
3: Yeah, I, I also put in the mix uh, Yarosik, because I think he was quite a Yeah, tall but he was player.
0: so awful. <laughs> <laughs> he was awful. Yeah, but it
3: doesn't say tallest, no, really good.
0: No, it doesn't. <laughs> like, You're right, he was
3: And I, I had Mick Harford as well. Cause oh, yeah, Mick Harford. Tall.
0: Yeah, we mentioned him on recent, in yeah. The recent... Yeah, 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 I think that's the only reason I remembered him. But, OK, yeah. my,
3: my, my small good side... Harford's a actually. Yeah, my, my small side. Well... Goalkeepers are, you know, not usually that small, but I guess I've gone for Bonetti.
0: You have to go for Bonetti. Yeah, five foot eleven.
3: Yeah, it depends what you read. Some say five eleven, some say six. Mind well, he's you, five I... eleven. Yeah. Okay. Well, then it's right. I mean, you only have
0: I... to watch that that um, FA Cup final, uh, the, the the actual nineteen seventy final and was on recently to see that he's five foot eleven. I think.
3: Yeah. yeah. No, I think I think um, you're right. OK, my well, defence gets a bit dodgy because everyone's short, so um, there aren't many. I had Albert Ferrer. Yeah, I had a Ferrer. Yeah. 5'7". Um, yeah, and then oh, it was really tough. I, uh, to be honest, I've just gone for one at the back and then six in midfield. You can't um,
0: do
3: that. <laughs> I can't, I can't. All right, who was your left back?
0: Uh, Ashley Cole.
3: Ashley Cole, yes. I I was debating whether he was smaller. Okay, I'll go. Right, I'll no. go with that.
0: Do you know who my centre backs were? No, who no, were go your centre backs? No,
3: go on. You tell me. I,
0: Ron had... Harris was only five foot eight. Yes. And okay. and Frank Sinclair was only five foot seven.
3: Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, that's good. Um, okay. Well, I'll, I'll go for my midfield of sure. six. Macaleli.
0: Um, yes
3: um uh pat nevin
0: yeah obviously he was only five foot five
3: yeah i know amazing and sean wright phillips
0: oh yeah he was tiny wasn't he
3: yeah he was um Kevin McAllister,
0: <laughs> skinless,
3: skinless. <laughs> Just for those who don't know, we called him skinless because why, I,
0: don't, I don't even know why we called him skinless.
3: Well, because I, I think we came up with it because he looked like a skinless sausage because he, he did, was so right. white. He was very and, and they, they, yeah, really horrible. Uh, not horrible, but it was a, a very else.
0: Nobody else called him skinless. No, we us. we
3: did. We called him skinless. <laughs> um, and then uh, I, I, uh, Ian Britton. He was oh, yeah. small as well, um, and then I, I've kept the modern players on the bench. So and then up front, Steen and Spencer, um, but also Zola. Sorry, it's three up front: Nevin, Steen, and, and uh, Zola. Yeah, I mean Zola. Zola's
0: yeah a good one. Yeah, and I then, actually went in midf- in midfield. I went for Nevin. I went for Matter.
3: Oh, Matter's in there as well.
0: Hazard. Yeah. Who's only? Who's actually five foot nine?
3: Yeah, he's bigger than you think. Yeah, he is.
0: And Wise, going yeah. back for Dennis Wise is also yeah. only 5 foot 5. And then I yeah. went for Spencer and Tambling up front.
3: Okay. Tambling
0: yeah. was only 5 foot 8.
3: Yeah. Um, well, <clears throat> on the bench I had Gilmore, Pedro and Cante.
0: Yeah, I didn't realise we were allowed to do benches.
3: No, that's well, uh, they they got in there as well. I thought yeah, it was quite was in-
0: five foot five, isn't he? So.
3: <clears throat> yep he he he's actually. Some say five six, and Pedro's the smallest out of the three. Actually, Kante is five foot six and a half. Yeah, weird. Anyway, so good well, question. I like that one. Yeah, it's fun as well because you start. Thinking What's interesting
0: about is it was actually. Easier to do the shorter players than it was to do the taller players because, again, if you look back through history, teams were a lot shorter before we got to the Premier League era. You know, it was a real anomaly if you had a really big player, particularly in midfield. You know, uh, in the sixties or seventies, they just weren't they weren't huge.
3: Yeah, uh, I hadn't really thought about it up until this question, but yeah, I guess you're right. It was um, I found I found the the taller team. Much harder to think of players. Did you? Okay. Yeah, for that, for that reason, I think. Mm. Without just picking, you know, most of the players under Mourinho. <laughs> who, as you, you yeah. always go on about, you know, for him, it
0: was always about height. He was obsessed with inches. Yeah, he ooh, was. This is.
3: Ooh, were, uh, I say. Right, well, look. Um, it's that time where we go to
1: first, worst and best. And this week, it comes from Richard Willicombe. Hi, my name is Richard Willicombe. I'm from Whitesleaf in Surrey. I've been a Chelsea supporter for 36 years and this is my first, worst and best Chelsea matches. My first match was in late April 1984. My auntie and uncle took me for my ninth birthday to Chelsea versus Shrewsbury. We won 3-0 with two goals from Kerry Dixon and one from Pat Nevin. And a week after that match, we beat Leeds 5-0, followed by that trip to Grimsby where Kerry Dixon's goal sealed promotion for us back to the first division. So it was a very special time to be introduced to the Chelsea life. My worst match was a recent match in 2018. And it's so bad that I can barely bring myself to speak about it. It was the home match against Tottenham. When... After 28 seasons under 14 different managers, Tottenham finally came out on top. It first appeared to be a routine sort of match. Morata put us 1-0 up midway through the first half, and all was well in the world. I remember going down for a pint at half-time and looking up at the screens, only to see Christian Eriksen score right on the stroke of half-time. Oh well, we thought. We'll turn it round second half against Tottenham. We always do. The second half started and we invited wave after wave of Spurs attacks. It was a typical Antonio Conte home performance as it was in the second season under him. It wasn't long before Deli Alley put in 2-1 up, closely followed by a third. Their fans were going ballistic and I just couldn't watch anymore. So I did something I very rarely do and I left the match early. There was no way I was going to stay till the end to walk past the shed to see their fans coming out and celebrating. It was awful. And I vowed not to renew my season ticket when I got home. And I refused to go to the same fixture the following season, where I did renew, but I could not face that feeling again. But thankfully, I went this season, and it was one of the last games we had before lockdown. We won, so normal service has resumed. My best match was in 2005. It was a Champions League Quarter final home match against Barcelona. It was a magical night at the bridge. You got the, you sensed on the way to the ground that it was going to be one of those special nights at Chair Stanford Bridge under the lights. We were 2 1 down after the first leg and up against it. We knew we had to attack, and boy, did we attack. We were 3 0 up inside the first 20 minutes. I was sitting at the back of the shed that night and you could feel the stand rocking. But in true Chelsea style, nothing straightforward. And Ronaldinho got one back with a penalty. Then soon after that, he was dancing over the ball. Then toe-poked one in past Petr Cech from 20 yards out. We were back up against it now. They were ahead on the way goals. And it wasn't even half-time. The second half, the rest of the match, is a bit of a blur. Until JT headed one in from a corner which I'm sure in the modern game with VAR, it wouldn't have stood. But it did, and the place was rocking. It was an amazing night, great atmosphere, and one that I was truly proud to be at. Thanks for listening to my first, worst, and best Chelsea matches.
3: And we're back. Well, there you go, Andy. Um, A couple of games that um, interesting points come out of. 2018 against Tottenham when we lost at home and he left the match early because of the way it was going and then couldn't go back and see the same game next year. Have you ever had some sort of traumatic experience with a loss at a Chelsea game that has made you do something rash?
0: I don't leave games early. No. I don't. I just don't. Um, I, I never do. I, I kind of sit there to the bitter end. I think, I think. You, look, I, I don't. I don't want to get into a debate about whether you should or shouldn't leave early. That's entirely up to you. What you do, if you need to go and get the tube or avoid the traffic or whatever, that, that's your choice. But I just personally think it's very odd to leave a football game before the end. You wouldn't leave a film before the end. You wouldn't leave the theatre before the end. I just don't get it. But you know, if you if you do that, that's that's your thing. You know, I know, and I know people that do religiously. depend you know, and and it's usually. To miss the traffic, which I just find <laughs> bizarre, but you know, there you go. Yeah, um, I agree. I, I do, but I don't. No, I don't. I, I've sat there to the bitter end for you know, hundreds of Chelsea games, to be honest, and been disappointed and nauseous at the end. Um, but no, I haven't. It's never, never really um, been a thing to leave.
3: No, and I, I think there's something about you, you should, leave before it,
0: the end. You do sometimes, don't you?
3: Well, only because of where I live now, and sometimes I mm, have to get plastic. back for the train. <laughs> <laughs> See, I knew I was setting myself up for this, but I will still take it. But
0: how often, How quick? How, how how much before the end do you leave? Three minutes. Oh well, that's not so bad.
3: Yeah, no, yeah, three, four minutes maximum. Uh, well,
0: you don't leave if there's if it's not a foregone no. conclusion. No, you? no. If
3: if there's oh my god, there's hope or, or whatever, then yeah, of course. That's right. uh, it's those yeah.
0: people that think ten minutes from the end, yeah. I'm leaving no matter what. No, oh, no, I can't, I can't do that. No, yeah. it, 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 but it's up to them. It's up to them. Yeah, I'm not, it I'm is. not, I'm not judgmental.
3: And for me, it's also that whole thing. Sometimes you've got to take your medicine. If you're getting larruped, you've got to take that misery because that makes the the high of winning even better the next time. I, I, I do does. think it's, it gives you a
0: balance. Of course it um, does. You've got to experience the bad times to appreciate the good times.
3: Yeah, I mean, this one, um, okay. And then he talks about that 2005 beating Barcelona with the JT goal that probably wouldn't have been given in this age of VAR. Uh, I started to think how many how many other Chelsea goals might not have been given that were important.
0: As you talked with the one where Carvalho held the goalkeeper, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we've had yeah. that one before, haven't we?
3: Yeah, I, th- I, <clears throat> I think we have. Yeah. Um, so yeah, well, no a, more a, Barcelona po- games. It's, it's a popular.
0: Too, it's a popular yeah. one. Listen, I mean that's fine if that's your favourite game. It's your favourite game, but uh, it's yeah. Um, yeah. I mean it's a good point. The, the VAR will change the way we play football. It will. Yeah, it will. And whether that's a good thing or not, I don't know yet. Well, well
3: in the long run, you hope that... Uh, Consistency is all we yeah, ask for. Exactly, which we've never had in football. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, but it is great. It, there's something magical about those European nights. I don't know what it is. Why are European nights so special?
0: I think there's a level of, of, of hope an expectation, and also glamour. There's a lot of glamour involved in in those big European nights. If you're playing a European giant, a Juventus or a Barcelona or a Bayern Munich, um, there's something incredibly glamorous about that and special. Um, and the atmosphere is normally reflects that.
3: Yeah, no, I, there is something magical about being under the lights. You know, there, there is,
0: and it's. Well, you also- wouldn't say that about your fourth round of the League Cup, though, would you?
3: I don't know. I still like. I still love I mean, I like games, it, and, but, you know.
0: But I'm just saying. Generally, you're not going to get the same atmosphere under the lights against uh, Scarborough uh, as you are against uh, Inter Milan. Are you?
3: I don't know. I think for me, it harks back. It didn't really matter an evening game when I was a kid. If I was taken to a game well, that's as just a kid, staying
0: up late, isn't it?
3: Yeah, it is. It, it was like a <laughs> special. I'm sh- with
0: you on that. Yeah. So I get, the, I get that.
3: I still feel like that. I
0: still feel like <laughs> what, I'm staying up late. Stay, Jackie allows <laughs> you to stay up late. Yeah.
3: it's true and also i think that whole european thing it's it's a a sense of finding out whether you belong at that level isn't it it's about we are here can we actually justify our our position it's a proper
0: test yeah, yeah it is or it should be a proper test
3: No, it's true. All right, mate. Well, look, um, we're out of time. Um, Matt Lowe, who asked about the 2012-2013 season, will do that next week, uh, you know, the year after winning the Champions League because it's a a complex season, that's for sure, and um, we should give it the time it deserves next week. Um, But, yeah, that's it for another week. Andy, thank you, as always, for for being here and um, chatting so lucidly.
0: Oh, nice to talk to you as well, mate. Have a, have, enjoy the rest of your day, week.
3: Absolutely. You too. I guess life is starting to return to normal in some ways for some of us. Um, long may that continue. And um, no doubt you'll tell everyone how to keep in touch with us if they want.
0: Yeah. So if you want to follow us on Twitter, it's uh, at Chelsea Podcast. Uh, if you want to follow us on instagram it's at the chelsea podcast if you want to follow me on twitter uh, and see my incoherent ranting uh it's at mr a saunders and i'm at one true saunders on instagram you are kerry levy one spelt wrong c-e-r-i-l-e-v-y uh uh, on instagram Uh, as kerry levy one on instagram and at kerry levy on twitter is that right
3: yeah, that's that's spot on. That's yeah, do it. Do follow
0: us and, and do tell us what you think. Give us some feedback and if you want to ask us any questions or if you want us to answer questions on the podcast, feel free. Probably best through Twitter on that one. Um, DMs are open, so uh, either do that or just ask the question and we'll we'll get to it. Oh, and I've just seen that photo of the magpie. What do you think? Yeah, weird. I, have I, you not I've seen no. that before? Do some no. investigation and report back. I
3: will. I will. And, um, oh, it's, it's having a go at the foxgloves. Clubs. Yeah. Mm, they're poisonous fox That's
0: digitalis, clubs. isn't it?
3: Yeah, digitalis, yes. Mm. Don't let your dog near them.
0: <laughs> no, <laughs> well, dogs, for some reason, are fine with digitalis. They, they, don't, they don't touch them.
3: No, they don't, even though they would really cause a major problem. Maybe yeah. they know. Maybe they they're know. wise. Mm. Wise dogs. All right, mate, look, uh, we'll catch up next week. Take it easy and have a good week, everyone. And you, mate. Take care. Bye. Cheers.
2: Wasn't that a great podcast? Now, if you've got 90 seconds spare in your day, come and listen to ours. It's called What Has He Said Now and is available wherever you've got this podcast. You're going to lose a number of people to
3: the flu. This is a playback media production. Get all the associated links to this podcast at chelseapodcast.net.
1: Sports Social Podcast Network.